Welcome to Boom Talk Studios on a sunny first day of 2022. Fox Trading in a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 21, Number 85 overall. Giving Jack Youngblood and Ocho Stinko some love today. All right, folks, we're in Studio B today. Uh, Happy New Year and Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays while we're at it. Really going to kick off the new year with some interesting things, and we're starting the new year in Studio B because we have, we have a full house over here. So, whenever that's the case, I come back here when things are working. A lot to talk about. Obviously, we had two podcasts last week. Check those out, especially you know the, one, the interview with Alec. We're going to continue that here sooner or later. But, um, yeah, I mean, so I cover a lot Monday and coming back this quick. Obviously, we have, we had to jiggle. We've had to juggle some things around. So bear with me. Uh, unfamiliar uh, surroundings and gear, all that sort of thing. New Year starting up. Going to be a great year. We're doing some really cool things. And I really feel like this podcast is going to really blow up. Thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com and the folks at Mixkit for the wonderful music that we use during these podcasts. Also. Like to thank the folks at Road and Zoom for providing tools for content creators around the world. All right, folks, let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. And I say, bear with me this week. <laughs> That's right. It's time for the COVID Chronicles. Well, 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 the disruption that COVID's been causing over the past month with the emergence of the Omicron and the spread of the Delta variant. Yeah, as we've been talking about for weeks, there's definitely a lot of disruptions, a lot of chaos, because I'm still figuring out how to, how to use this setup. Oh, by the way, before we really get too deep in the COVID Chronicles, I mean, there was a lot of RIPs this week, and I'll get down down to that in the appropriate sections, but non-sports, but definitely an RIP shout-out to Betty White, who passed away at 99 yesterday, a woman who lived a fantastic life and brought you know smiles to many folks. Our condolences go out to her family and fans. It's been a heck of a ride, Betty. You were going to miss you. Okay, so now we can get back to the Griffith Chronicles. So the week started out with Carson Wentz being added to the COVID-19 list, and they thought he would miss, and he missed the game. Or no, they were thinking he would miss the game against the Rams, but apparently he is back because you know they've, as I told you last week, they've shortened the the protocol downtime. You know, especially if you're fully vaccinated, you get Omicron or something like that from 10 to 5 days, and that's allowing some of these guys to get back on the field. We told you that was going to probably be the case with many of these guys, which is, you know, that's a controversial thing, but hey, I don't know enough about it to sort of give an opinion. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell the NFL is doing while the other leagues seem to be going in another direction. Alex and I kind of talked about that somewhat. Check that interview out. Did we have unvaxxed Kirk Cousins? And you knew this was going to be a matter of time before he tested positive for COVID-19. And he will miss this week's game against Green Bay. And where I believe they are 7-8, and eight, they are still in the hunt. This is going to be a major hit. Kind of saw that coming at some point down the line. 
you know, especially given, given the amount of cases that have just blown up in the month of December. So anyways, Kirk is going to sit out of a key game, and as we've been talking about for weeks, when we get to a point where results would start to be affected by players being out. And here we go when the Vikings, two games left, they need to win every game and get some help. Now they're going to have to rely on somebody else. Over there, as far as the defending champions are concerned, their coach, Bruce Arians, five others are out this week. I mean, among those, Sean Murphy Boating in the, in the uh, secondary. Over in the nation's capital, they are still dealing with major issues that have pretty much derailed their playoff run. Another team that COVID has basically stopped dead in their tracks as Antonio Gibson and Eric Flowers will not be playing. Yeah, complete dumpster fire over there as far as the nation's capital is concerned. We had to cancel the Holiday Bowl as UCLA withdrew at the last minute, which really pissed NC State off. No surprise there. I can understand NC State's frustration the day of. And we had spoken last week about some of the questionable protocols. Um, once again, not going to get too deep into that argument. You know, people get really passionate about that as far as, you know, hey, I opt for safety. Right, and safety and sanity. And, and this, I understand the frustration of flying all the way out someplace, like to, to California or San Diego in particular, and not being able to play. You know, I already spoke up last week about, you know, people getting denied their last chance to play in a game. You know, I'm, just, I'm over that whole thing. Anyway, I can't blame NC State. You know, as far as the frustration goes, but hey, we're all in this together. Sacrifices have to be made. I'm sure the kids still had a good time down there this time of year, even though it's kind of wintry. So, what else is going on? We have over 40% of the women's college games last for 12:30 were canceled. So that's almost half. And this is kind of the time of the year when everything is wrapping back up, especially with the beginning of conference play. Over. On the other side of the pond, all kinds of wackiness, as we've been telling you, leading up. You know, we told the the Premier League did go, move forward with the holiday fixtures, and as we told you last week or earlier this week, that some of them were canceled. Uh, it looks like Liverpool may be the next team to face a major outbreak, as they had three cases late in the week. We'll see what's up with their match tomorrow. I know over in Barcelona, you've got ten players off, and that includes Danny Alves and Jordi Alba. That's a big thing. You know, luckily we're on winter break, and these guys will probably be back before, you know, Barcelona starts playing serious matches again. Um, over in Serie A, inter-striker Essen Dezeko, he gets COVID for the second time in a year. Brutal. Along, you know, going the route of uh, Mr. Towns. Cannot be fun. NHL is just finally... Starting to get back up. You know, they canceled nine more games on 1228. We told you we thought they would be back by 1227. They waited a little bit longer. The World Junior Hockey Championships are off again. So this is my the third time that's been postponed. The Nuggets and the Warriors had to be postponed on 1230, and Draymond was very pissed off about it. And we think about these canceled games that when we supposedly have protocols in place to prevent outbreaks why are people still getting sick causing games to be canceled 
Well, as we've said from day one, we know why, or we think we know why. You know, one, you know, it's obvious that these last two variants are highly contagious. But then again, as Alec eloquently pointed out, these guys had to make up for a lot of lost time as far as, you know, first being quarantined and then being in a bubble that with relaxed protocols, they were going to do what they do. So, right, and I don't think you need too much of an imagination as far as what I mean by that. And the kind of freaks you can come across and their opinions on being vaxxed or not. And in the, in the moment of passion, obviously that doesn't matter. But yes, I do uh, agree with Draymond to a, to a point in terms of teams being responsible and realizing what's at stake especially if you are a contender and what kind of nightmare scenario we can create. We have four or five guys on the line. I mean, the NBA with these hardship deals, you know, bring, I mean, as I told you last week, I'm waiting for Vince Carter to walk up here any minute as far as people, you know, the fill bodies, you know, IT's on his second team. Uh, in fact, Lance Stevenson just signed a hardship deal with the Pacers. And I talk a little bit more about that in the beautiful game, but you get the point in terms of the kind of, Havoc that COVID is causing right now in the sports world. Okay, folks, we somehow survived that segment. A little bit uh, rough around the edges. We'll get better as, as this podcast moves along. Really appreciate the folks that are tuning in. Love that the audience is growing. Fantastic stuff. We're going to be doing some really kick-ass things this year. Tell your friends to hop on board, and we'll all take a ride down in Foxhole Land. All right, we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 21, Number 85 overall. Alrighty, folks, let's get to the airport, let's get through TSA, gas up the Gulfstream 550, and take the 43K view high above campus. Since we were cloudy last week and snow, uh, we had to use the drones, but... Now we can get our adult beverages and our new hipster clothes that we got for Christmas and all of our badass gadgets and our new phone and just be like that while we're rolling in style in our Gulfstream 550. So, sitting here watching the granddaddy of them all, that's right, the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, California. The wonderful side is people are enjoying themselves in the sun. We're having some sunny up here in Eugene, so that's a good thing too, but Definitely warmer and the lovely Arroyo Seco and all that good stuff. Anyway, big upset in the making. The Utes are up 14-0 for about three and some change in the first quarter. Big game earlier as well. The Freeman era starts out with a heartbreaker as Notre Dame blows a 28-7 lead. And Oklahoma State, not known for ever having money in its wallet, Rallies to stun the Irish, 37-35 in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I don't know. Hard to say. You can't read too much out of that. But it makes me wonder what the uh, boosters and the hardcore alumni in South Bend are thinking. You know, one game doesn't mean anything, obviously. But you sure don't want to blow a 28-7 lead. And like I said, Oklahoma State 
really isn't known for having money in its wallet in any game that matters. So, we're not going to pick up Mr. Freeman yet, but sure would have liked to have seen him have a better debut. As far as some of these other bowls that went on, um, let's see, number 20, Houston, you know, finishes. Let's see, yeah. It was Auburn, actually. Auburn beats Houston, about 17-13, and Auburn finishes with a losing record for the first time in nine years. No wonder Bo Nix wanted to run to Eugene. I can give Houston some props for fielding two impressive programs, football and hoops right now. Saw it just like Baylor. Some good things going on in Texas. Some suspect officiating benefits the Boilermakers and their win over the Vols. Clay Travis had plenty to say about that. You know, him and the outkick crowd always screaming about something. But yeah, there were some really bad calls. And, you know, it's been a bad year for officiating in general. Been a bad decade, really, if you want to think about it. Um, even though Utah is looking really good right now, and Ohio State not so much, what do we make of the Big Ten being 5-0 and and the Pac-12 being 0-3? I mean, with Oregon, they had about 25, 30 players missing. So you can't take too much into Oklahoma beating a depleted squad. We have to wait and see what happens with Dan Lanning. More about that in a second. Um, You know, I don't know what to make of all these bowl games, to be honest. I mean, we had the five and seven Scarlet Knights in a bowl game. I mean, is that a WTF or not? And I know there's a big conversation going on today. Right, you know, I mentioned last week about Kirk Herbstreet and about too many bulls. He's right, and I've been saying this for a decade as well. I mean, okay, if you're a big college football fan and you like your bowl games, but you cannot t begin to tell me watching a six and six and a five and seven, what is the point? Why are we wasting resources on this mediocre garbage? And like I said last week, it isn't about, well, give these guys one more opportunity. You have four freaking years of playing football. I'm not buying this crap anymore. And nobody can look at me in a straight face, even the most hardcore football fan, and tell me these games aren't a cure for insomnia. It's just terrible football. Right? I mean, I don't know. I, you know, when they t and I'll get to the playoffs here, you know, in a second, because one more thing I have to point out. You know, we talked about Dion the last couple of weeks and you know, his plans for Jackson State moving forward. You know, some folks want to see them move up a tier. Well, you know, he was asked why he sort why he refuses to up Jackson State's street cred by playing Power Five schools. Love his answer. He says, "Not worth the hassle or the humiliation." Uh, you know, one of the same saner comments I've heard in years. And I know these schools play these body bag games, you know, for monetary reasons. And what that does as far as helping support the athletic departments at these fledgling institutions, we all get that. But, you know, Dion, speaking like my alma mater, it's just like, what is the point of, you know, going somewhere and getting your ass kicked? Getting a paycheck and having, you know, where some, where some school like Alabama or Oregon has an athletic you know, brawn, whatever you want to call it, advantage, skill. And it ends up being, you know, 82 to 10. Now, what good, is, what good is that? Okay, let's talk about the national snooze final Oh, you mean semifinal. So yesterday, all fired up, you know, last day of the year. Another turbulent year, obviously. You know, got big concerts going on, couch tour, 
Just sit back and you know, have some adult beverages, some munchies, and watch you know the CFP, you know, the biggest day of the year, really. And as we've seen too often in the, in this brief history of this competition, it's just it's just news fest. And one thing we've been seeing on this podcast for a while. You know, we talk about expanding to eight, 12 teams. <laughs> Folks, there aren't. There's probably two good teams. I mean, I'm not saying the B- BCS wasn't flawed. It was. But it, to me, it made a hell of a more sense. Because you're not going to convince. Yeah, if you want to watch board games, and this goes back to, you know, making some dollars and maybe appealing to the hardcore college football fans and maybe some of the younger uh fans like this, but I mean, guys, I gotta think for those of us who are, you know, mature or getting long in the tooth, you can't tell me that extra football is, is worth it. Not even mention, you know, the, the toll it takes from getting people out of the classroom, not being able to spend the holidays with their families. Uh, right, you know, this whole thing where it's just a minor league farm system as opposed to yeah, it's kind of a, a, a great thing to be able to compete for university and get a scholarship, you know, and truly be a student athlete where what we're building, and I mean, I got something else to say about that in a second, but let's talk about the games before I just keep babbling. Um, gee whiz, both of them, they were, they were stinkers. And I'm hearing the whole case for Cincinnati and Michigan, maybe they weren't worthy. Yeah, they were worthy. It's just Alabama and Georgia are that good. And the SEC is an E-like conference. Not rocket science. We've known this for years. Right? (laughs) So, I mean, there's not really a lot to say other than the dominance of those two teams. And Georgia gets a shot to redeem themselves. As we all know, that Alabama dismantled the Bulldogs in the SEC championship. So... I mean, that's how it goes. I mean, we kind of saw this all along, and I almost feel like, you know, further further discussion should be halted. If you're right, you gave the kids NIL, you give them an enhanced transfer portal, you've given coaches mega bucks and their buddies, where everybody's taken care of. We don't really need to, like, come up with new revenue streams just for the sake of it. Because, I mean, a 12-team playoff? Are you kidding me? I, mean, I really want to dismantle the Bulls already. I mean, I just think that, yeah. People are like, well, back in Kirk's day, there were only 18. It was probably 18. was too many back then, even. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, you know. I, I, mean, if, I mean, some of these games are entertaining, but most of even the ones that are competitive, it's boring as hell. And, you know, I'm a football junkie. And if it was worth watching, I'd be the first to say so. But I have no problem. If you think I'm wrong, ftinfx at gmail.com. And we can, you know, have it out. I can even have you on the podcast and discuss this. You will not convince me. And I know you're probably lying to yourself if that's what you think. Yeah. Uh, Bama, Bama 27, Cincinnati 6. And what was it? 34 to 11 as far as Georgia and Michigan. Uh, yeah, everybody getting all over Harbaugh's case. Just the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. ACC, maybe with Clemson every now and then, they're just not up the bar. And the Ohio State occasionally as well. But in general, it's just a superior conference. And Alabama, you know, and I think Georgia, 
Not quite there. I think Alabama's going to take care of business when they meet up. All right, anyways, let's talk about some hoops. So, finally getting back to the hardwood. I told you in the COVID Chronicles about 40% of the women's games being canceled on 12-29, hey, which was my birthday. Started another turn around the sun. Won't tell you how old I am, but yeah, I just had that in between Christmas and New Year's as Capricorn's role. But anyways, there were 40% of those of the games scheduled. Like I was talking about conference. So everything's kind of spotty this week. But I can tell you that the number one and four, which would be Baylor and the Zags, they got easy wins and non-conference tune-ups. There was an upset on the ladies' side as number one South Carolina falls to Missouri on a last-second shot. Great game. Um, all right. So this is the new year, so let's let's put a bow on 2022. What do you think your college story of the year was? You tell me at FTINFX at Gmail. For me, it's gmail.com, that is. For me, it's the dawn of NIL and the immediate impact of the enhanced transfer programs and how they're changing the landscape of big-time college sports. I mean, there's no doubt that's the, the, the main story. And that says something, considering that COVID is continuing to wreak havoc. But I think, you know, as a result of cold COVID and the kind of discussions and the empowerment that the students have been able to pick up in the last two years, these two things, you know, alter everything. And I don't, as I've said a million times, you know, I am very leery in the kind of territory that we've moved into as far as limited compensation and, you know, what effect is a better free agency structure than even the pros have. And I do believe there are tweaks that have to be made in both of those areas. But we let's face it, this is here to stay. We aren't going backwards. We just have to figure out a more manageable way for it to work or you're going to see some serious outlaw stuff. I mean, the kind of things that we spent... 45 years trying to get rid of is now not only legal, but there's really no way, at least right now, that I can see to curtail people from doing what they do. And when it comes to enticements, use your imagination because there's a wide spectrum of things you can do to lure a player now, which you couldn't do before. And in the end, we have to say, just the rich got richer in this. But yeah, it was the story of the year. Okay, folks, we're battling along here. We'll come back with something interesting on the other side. Okay, welcome back to Fox Dragon Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 21, Number 85. Big shout out to Jack Youngblood, Ocho Stinko, the legendary Mel Gray from the football St. Louis Cardinals. Heck yeah, I'm sure there's some 85s out there that will come to me as we're doing this podcast, but there's some pretty big three there. Okay, folks, time for one of our favorite segments of the week, something you should probably know or things that occurred in the sports world that you might want to know about. All right. So, obviously, in the end of the year, things have slowed down a little bit. 
as far as some, you know, there's not a lot of golf, racing, mixed martial arts, boxing, anything like that. So, if we, you know, obviously the NHL being shut down as well. Obviously, we had to scramble to put together some bullet points, but nonetheless, we were still successful. There were some things to talk about. So let's have at it. Well, one, we'll start off with the AP naming the modern Babe Ruth AP Male Athlete of the Year. Gotta like that. No surprise that Otani, as I've said, you know, this guy, emergence, emergence is one of the wonderful stories to come out of MLB in many years, and we really hope that the next decade or so, he changes the standard and you start seeing more two-way players. As we all know, the pitcher was usually the best hitter <laughs> right when we were kids and then somehow we specialize these guys and you take away somebody who's probably a great offensive weapon, right? This guy's a dual threat. Looking forward to seeing this guy, you know, continue to wow us and draw people, more people to watch MLB, which I think has been lagging in recent years. Uh, speaking of MLB, as far as the, the hot stove circuit goes, that was kind of interesting that Max, Mad Max, yeah, that Mac, Max Scherzer, was a big controversy where reportedly he had blamed the Dodgers for his arm troubles. Well, he's come back, and I don't know if he walked it back or he was misquoted, but in the end of the day, he doesn't blame the Dodgers. And it's like, really? Well, dude, it is 37. And you know, when you think about the service he put in in D.C., man's logged a lot of innings, right? So, yeah, his, you have to think at 37, in the same way that Kershaw, who in his late 30s, he's having issues as well. These things happen when you're the workhorse. Uh, don't think you can uh, blame anybody. I mean, I know back in the day, you had arm records like Ron Piranowski and that crowd, but I think we've got a little bit smarter and the surgery's gotten better. It's just, you know, when you work these guys and they're pitching over, you know, 200 innings a year and they do it for a decade plus, yeah, you get the picture. Um, let's see, what else do we have? So we know about the, I told you last week about the NHL's decision to have its players not go to the Winter Olympics. And you've got some players who are pretty upset about that, one of them being Boston Bruin winger Brad Marchand. Very critical. He doesn't understand why we can't play in the Olympics when we are taking risk here at home as far as playing games. You know, I mean, his big sticking point is that the league is using COVID as an excuse, talking about the games that have already been postponed in the league, having to be put on hiatus for a week, that they feel that you wouldn't have time to make these games up. <sighs> Brad, I understand your frustration. But use your common sense. We have a global outbreak. Give some other kids who are willing to take that risk a chance to play in the Olympics. Go make that. Go make that mad coin. Um, I mean, I get you know the honor of representing your countries and all that kind of stuff. But at this point in this particular year, maybe the league is on to something. Um, speaking of hockey stories. What do you think about Bruce Bordeaux? Yeah, that Bruce Bordeaux. We told you about how he took the job in Vancouver. Well, they've won, they are unbeaten in their, their first eight games. Impressed? Hell yeah. <laughs> very good Very good to see the Canucks showing some life and Bruce getting an opportunity. 
Uh, my best hockey story of the year that just passed. Well, it has to be Tampa Bay repeating and positioning themselves to possibly repeat. I mean, to me, at least, that is a story in the NHL. There are some other wonderful things happening. I mean, Carolina's been balling out for most of the fall. Florida Panthers have been very well, too. But th this story still is going to be whether or not the Panthers can repeat. Um, another interesting thing that went on as far as the WNBA goes, that Becky Hammond, yes, that Becky Hammond, often tabbed for many of these uh, open positions in the NBA, and we've gone into great detail why she didn't get those. Well, I think she's landed a great job as becoming the Las Vegas Aces' next coach, and she's also the GM. Good or bad, this is a good thing. Uh, it wasn't fair to her to be a pawn where teams could always find a way, not necessarily because of her gender. You know, I had a good chat with Alec Ford about this, and as he kind of looked at it, that she was close to getting the Blazers' job until Dame Pettit. And I said, no, that's not true. I mean, yes, Dame had his reservations as far as if you're gonna, he wants to stay in Portland, the kind of coach that he wanted. But that, and the fan reaction, if you remember, and we talked about this on, on the podcast, is that it's not so much that, have, that she was a woman. They want somebody who's got some experience who they feel can get them to the promised land. And that's where a lot of these fan bases are at. You know, so they don't want to take a flyer on somebody who we're not sure how it's going to work out. It's like no knock on her. She's done a great job working for Pop. But I would feel that would be the same situation with Spurs because they have championship pedigree. When, when eventually Pop steps down, would the fans be comfortable? I don't know if the, if the brass in San Antonio feel that way. And I feel that's what was going on in Portland and some of the other jobs that she's been up for. You're not going to say no knock on her credentials and abilities. And obviously, among the men, she commands respect. But I totally get why she hasn't gotten some of these NBA jobs. And I feel like this job with the Aces is fantastic. GM, she gets to run her own program. And hey, maybe if she builds a little dynasty there, the NBA will come calling. Fair enough. Um, okay. Um, let's see here. What have we got that also irritated me as far as something we should probably know or even just look into for a half a second? But ESPN, once again, with you know this whole thing with Mr. Paul, they're calling his knockout of Tyron Woodley the knockout of the year, fair or foul? I'm going to call foul until this guy gets in the ring with Canelo or gets in the ring with some of these um, UFC badasses. I'm not going to be impressed, okay? You know, you're, you're knocking out other tomato cans or other, you know, celebrities, would-be fighters. It just, it's not impressive to me. I, what, what do you want me to say? Uh, That's another interesting discussion in the internet this week is, you know, the 1230 club. And 1230 is basically, you know, how LeBron, Tiger Woods, and Sandy Kovacs were born on the same day. And everybody was, like, dropping. Well, on this day, Simon Biles and all these other people. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you might. No, I don't think you can really top the 1230 club, me personally. I mean, come on. LeBron, Tiger, and Kovac all born on 1230. I mean, I mean that, they're, like, literally in the Mount Rushmore's of their sport, maybe of all sports. So you can come up with all these, like, Olympians and other people. There was one that had, like, five or six people born. Right? I was, like, sitting there. I mean, even at 1230, the legendary AFL baller, um, you know, Nance, who played for San Diego and the Broncos. I mean, at one point, rushed for, like, 1,500 yards, which was a lot back then. 
Yeah, so anyway, you got a better day for me, ftinfx at gmail.com. Drop me a line, check my inbox, you are sending me any lines. If you want to come on this podcast and have it out with me on some of these topics, we really like that. Or come on the scene, as one of our goals this year is to have at least one or two episodes of the scene every month, even if it kills me. But anyhow, let's see here. What else do we have in this segment? So, of uh, the eventual 2021 champions, which was the biggest surprise? Uh, I think there's some really good choices here. You know, you have one Chelsea winning the Champions League but under Thomas Tuchel after he was let go at PSG. You have the Bucks and the Greek Freak. You have New York City Football Club. You have the Braves, who took who took out the the defending champion bubble champions, the Dodgers along the way. So and there's others, but I mean, to me, that's the big four. If for me, the biggest surprise champion, New York City Football Club. Um, yeah, that was was kind of a stunner, especially that they went out here to the West Coast to Providence Park and were able to beat the Timbers in their yard. That to me, that's probably the biggest surprise champion. I mean, the other three are, are extremely worthy, as you know, in their own right. But for, for me, I would say NYCFC. You disagree? You know, drop me a line. You know where I'm at. Uh, the upset of the year, I'm going to go with Canada winning the gold medal in women's soccer. Hands down. That's not even close, considering how dominant our ladies have been. And what was it? They went to the Olympics with something like that. One, I forget what it was like, 48, something ridiculous. But anyways, to me, that's the biggest upset. I think the disappointing story of 2022 would be the turmoil that plugged, that plagued the WNBA and the NWSL seasons. I mean, I felt that even with the, the struggles that COVID ha- have caused and some of the obstacles truly dwarfed by the whole bad behavior narrative in both. And it should have been, you know, what I thought were banner seasons, kind of both were a thud and didn't really move the needle the way it should. And we talked about the WNBA, having some of its young stars like Sabrina not making a splash or Kaiser Gondersack, same thing. You know, they get these people balling in out there. I mean, you know, especially with Gondersack, she's got, now that she's reemerged, you know, she's got all these selfies and all that stuff, and that's fantastic, but it's like, hey, lady, get back on the court. The league, the league needs you and your visibility. Same thing with Sabrina. And, you know, the NWSL, gee whiz. I mean, that was just a dumpster fire. Started out with the whole racial incident, and then all the bad behavior as far as coaches not kicking their head out of the cookie jar. So hopefully better things for both of those uh, leagues, especially NWSL with Angel City and the club in San Diego coming online, and WNBA too with some of the young stars that are emerging. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, folks, we will be back on the other side with the holiday edition of the NBA beat. Okay, welcome back to Fox Trying the Voxhole, Season 3, Number 21, 85 overall. 
And what is going on in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl with those Utes leading the Ohio State University Buckeyes 21-7? As we said, an upset in the making going on here. And what we have to say about all of that if this turns out to be the case. But then again, there was 8.59 left, and we know the Ohio State is a scoring machine. But nonetheless... If Utah had been able to take care of business and not chumped out in a few games, what what could have been for that program? Well, we wouldn't even get into as far as the Ducks. But uh, one of the things that I, that, was, that I forgot to mention before we start talking about some NBA, it's kind of interesting to see the media spotlight on Dan Lanning. And obviously his defense looking good. So I think the folks in Eugene have very, you know, Legit reasons to be very excited about him coming to town. I thought it was very cool that he stayed with this program uh, to, to help coach and perhaps get another natty before coming to Eugene. All good there. All right, folks. So let's talk a little NBA beat, shall we? Um, a really somber one to start off with. For the folks in the old school, uh, RIP goes out to Boston great Sam Jones. Part of those great Celtic teams that pretty much owned the NBA from 58 to 69. He passed away at 88 this week. Our condolences go out to him, his family, and the Celtic family as well. You know, uh, truly uh, NBA great. On the NBA 50 and 75th teams, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, NBA definitely lost, you know, a true alum. So... Huge story right now in the NBA. I mean, there's lots, but one being that COVID affecting teams. Now it's affecting referees. And I forgot to mention this in the first segment that basically we're getting to a point now with the outbreak among the refs that they are actually having to pull people from the G League to work games. Crazy stuff there, which, you know, that could, depending on how good these folks are bringing up, could affect the outcomes. We'll be keeping an eye on that in the weeks to come. As far as um, the story that everybody always seems to be talking about, those wacky Lakers toiling still under 500. Uh, watched them what night uh, when they won, where Russ and LeBron both post triple doubles, bad bugging, but they struggled to be a very bad Houston team. And then they followed that up the next night, blowing another double-digit lead as Russell Westbrook continues to be the turnover machine in all turnover machines uh, at Memphis, game they should have won. Uh, we're thinking about then last night, New Year's Eve, LeBron scores 43. Now, most for somebody, is, I mean, I think, yeah, probably somebody at his age. I mean, definitely balling. But the bigger thing is the Blazers. What the hell is going on with the because I'm going to tell you, as a Laker fan, they're unwatchable right now. Their defense and the turnovers and all the other fundamental things that they're lacking. And for the Lakers to blow out anybody makes you wonder. And we know with COVID and hardship contracts and all this other stuff. But I saw Dave out there, and I'm like going, wow. Like I said, these guys struggled to beat a Houston team that sometimes makes me think it is a G League team. I know disrespect for those guys, but you get the point. And so I'm really perplexed as far as 
the issues. I know there was a you know a major front office shakeup, a new coach. Who knows what's going on there? But it doesn't look good, right? Um, speaking of the Lakers, another thing that's kind of odd was weird when they got Westbrook and bringing Rondo back. How he fit in, and it was just like too many pieces like that. Well, Rondo was on his way again. After two quick stints with L.A. in the last couple of years, he's on his way to the Cavs. After Rubio Terrace's ACL and is done for the rest of the season, they needed some help as far as guards go. And so, I guess, I mean, given the mess that the Lakers are, I guess it makes sense. You always kind of hate losing a heady guy like that. But at the same time, it's such a dumpster fire. He wasn't helping. So maybe that open roster spot for, for L.A. does something for them. Uh, you got uh, across the hall, PG is going to be out for a bit, and that's, you know, another major headache with, with Kawhi out. You know, you're looking at a situation where both L.A. teams are going to struggle and possibly both miss the playoffs. Now, what a story that would be. Uh, how about the Sixers and the Nets? Very chippy affair at the Barclays Center. This is, I think, midweek. KD and Embiid almost going to blows. Right, this I mean, the Sixers coming over the big win. I mean, you know, these guys don't want to get into it, and, and you know, I don't want to agree with Skip Bayless, but Skip's right. Come on, KD, you want no part of Embiid. Embiid would dismantle your sorry ass, you know, right? But you guys get the bad mug, you know, and all the posturing. Uh, the Nets don't have Kyrie back, and, and Harden's getting, you know, you know, whatever Harden did in his little exile. Great game. Uh, do I take much out of it? No, but maybe uh, if you're Philly, that yeah, you're not afraid, you're not going to back down, and you can win a tight game with them if it gets to those two meeting in the playoffs. So I guess you could take away from that, but not much more than that. Um, let's see here. What do you? What, what would be my NBA story of the year? Well, it's obviously COVID as far as this goes. And, you know, I would say that because Kyrie's journey is intertwined with that, because Kyrie's really the big story and him not being on the court right now. You know, I mean, obviously the emergence of the Suns is being, you know, one of the elite teams in the West and, and the return of the Warriors. But I still think it's Kyrie and COVID. That's, you know, the NBA story of the year for me, for sure. Even more than the Bucks' unlikely championship. What do I see as the big storylines for the rest of the 21-22 season? Well, like I said, it, it, will both L.A. teams miss the postseason? I said that would be a Titanic story. And it's very possible, given injuries and the other dysfunctions that are, are cropping up on both ends of the locker room at the crypt. Can the Bucks repeat? I think that's also something that would be worth, that's going to be a big story, because the way they're playing right now, I think they're at 23 and 13. Uh, definitely been hot most of December. But they make a run and have and all of a sudden start to, to work towards perhaps creating a dynasty there. That would be something. Will Clay's return to Golden State make them unbeatable? I kind of think they're going to be pretty scary, you know, if they don't have injuries elsewhere. But if they are able to play the full comp complement. You know, I mean, there was a little bit of craziness this week with the Nugs. You know, the game got canceled as Jamin got really upset about, and they also put a nice butt whooping on them. But that was an, that's an anomaly. I mean, I don't know. 
Right, the Lakers and and they're, they're no defense. How are they going to win a seven game series right now as things are constituted, especially with them getting Clay back? Um, and then you know, can the Suns, Jazz, or Mavs figure it out? What it takes to get to the next level? I think that's going to be an emerging st- storyline as we get you know deeper in the spring. And then you know, will Brooklyn be able to overcome dysfunction and live up to the hype and actually take the crown, which is probably theirs? For, for snatching right now, especially, you know, Kyrie. Some feel that Kyrie just being a part-time road player is not going to be a disruption. No way. And, who, and he'll probably get COVID again. That's going to be a dumpster fire. I'll eat my words if we get into, you know, May and June, and it's, uh, it, it, it's you know, the, the SMS good times. But I just do not see that coming. Okay, folks, that was fun. We will be back with a holiday edition of The Beautiful Game Life. Welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 21, Number 85 Overall. Yes, exciting stuff going on everywhere. Watching the Rose Bowl, New Year's, as my watch has just informed me, a lot of fireworks, fireworks going on in Pasadena. Utah holding a 35-21 lead at the half. Nobody playing defense. Freeway, both ways. Obviously, the Utes having more success on the expressway than the Ohio State at the moment. But we'll see what happens in the second half. Okay, let's talk some beautiful game life, shall we? A lot going on there. I can adjust here. A lot to get used to when you're in the uh, B studio. So I thought one of the interesting things as far as the beautiful game live was concerned, did you all see the interview that Killian Mbappe did with, uh, I guess it was CNN France or, or CNN England, obviously. One, the dude's English. is It keeps getting better. I mean, it's actually pretty good. And it's love to see him do some more post-game interviews. Or maybe I should start listening more. Because his English is fantastic. And what she tells me, He's going to be a superstar at the height of his career because likes a lot time and these guys that can speak come over here and have opportunities to make even more money and just be a global giant. Guy speaks Chinese, dude's gonna be a boss. <laughs> right? Okay. And that was interesting that he said he's focused on the present and we can worry about his future in due time. Even though the Madrid does have talked about him turning down contracts and that he still wants to leave Paris. No one knows. And I think he's really enjoying this point at 23 where he's in such demand. And he has options. And he said Paris is his home club. He likes playing with Messi. So I think there is a chance, but who knows? I mean, at, least he, he's, at least he was forthcoming. Um, very transparent. I really appreciated that as far as 
the sort of guessing game he's had everybody doing for the last, you know, couple of years. I mean, I think Leonardo dropped the ball by not getting him to sign sooner, but oh well. At least for now, it looks like. Of course, that's not going to stop the Madridistas and other wackos as far as, this, you know, football media over there is concerned. But he says he's focused on PSG winning the Champions League and winning all the cups possible. Well, I believe that. And when Neymar comes back, hopefully they'll, they will start to gel a bit more. Although I have my doubts as far as Ponchicino, but they're going into 22 with him. Um, and speaking of PSG, I don't know if this is finalized yet, but I'm hearing in the back channels that Mario Cardi, yes, that Mario Cardi and his wonderful wife, Wanda, they are head apparently heading back to Turin. And that there was going to be a loan. And this spring, he will be playing for Juventus on loan, leaving PSG as given the current structure there, there's not really a space for him, although we do love him coming off the bench, but I'm sure he's pretty frustrated by the lack of playing time that he's able to get, because it's just a log jab. I mean, I feel sorry for guys like him, William Draxler, guys that would be balling elsewhere, but you, know, you have so many stars. Uh, big domestic side, a big move that happened. Uh, West Brom, apparently, is getting ready to purchase Daryl Dyke DK from Orlando City. Really happy to see Daryl get an opportunity to go back. As you know, he played at Barnsley. But I think it's fantastic that uh, he's getting ready to go to West Brom and get some more exposure. That he could have had a bigger season for Orlando City, but he had an impact. And I'd like to see him make an even bigger impact for the national team. And being playing over in England, that's definitely not going to hurt him. Um, you know, what to make of all the leaked you know, all the leaked stories of that claim high levels of toxicity at clubs like PSG and Liverpool. I mean, it's just so salacious. And, you know, you just get irritated in, in the uh, everlasting pursuit to get more clicks. And how it incites the fanboys, I've always found it to be kind of interesting in the, in the little camps. Because, you know, people believe this stuff. I mean, they just want reasons to be angry. And uh, I don't know, I find it kind of odious, you know, especially when you hear the players, but then again, they're robots, so you don't know what to believe. Anyway, okay, also in the rumor land, we have Real Madrid, basically, well, ESPN FC claiming that Real Madrid's going to put together a spectacular package so they were able to land Mbappe and Mr. Halan this summer. Now, how are these shaky La Liga clubs, I don't even care how big Real Madrid supposedly is, how are they going to be able to purchase those two in the same window? It's not the same situation how PSG got Neymar and Mbappe, and even that still probably requires some scrutiny. Somehow it got over FFP. I just can't see that being even possible without eugenicizing three parts of the squad and bringing up academy players to play around them. And you know either one of those guys aren't going to go for that. I could be wrong. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com if you know otherwise. Then you have China banning tattoos for players seeking to play on the national team. What's up with that? Because they want to set a better, a proper image for the youth. I'm just thinking that can't go over well. It's either get rid of them or cover them up somehow, apparently. So... No fun if you're the tattooed love boys 
over on the mainland and you want to represent China in the upcoming World Cup and future competitions, apparently. Um, big move in MSL. As, well, I'm not sure this is confirmed yet, but apparently uh, Real Salt Lake's middle fielder, Albert Rusnak, is headed to the Sounders. That'll make them stronger, which as an LAFC fan, I'm still wondering what the hell is going on with no coach, still questions about the roster, and we're a couple of way, weeks away from the preseason, and you just get this, oh, all is calm, don't worry. It's like at some point you're kind of adding players and subtracting. They just let Bryce Duke go to Miami. Like, and you don't have a coach who's going to determine how these people are going to play? Sounds kind of fishy. We'll be keeping an eye on what's going on with the black and gold. Okay, as we know, that this is the kind of time of year that people tend to shut things down, except for the Premier League. So most of the action is confined to there. So of note, we should, we should point out, the Spurs are unbeaten in, in eight games. This is Mr. Conte takeover. They get a late winner of the sink Watford, Watford today. Bit my tongue. That's why I'm having problems with my S's today. Um, we saw Manchester City take up the Gunners in a very spirited affair very early this morning. You know the Arsenal uh, brethren were not happy about how that went down. You know, City also squeaked past Brentford earlier in the week. Uh, let's see, what's, what else do we have here? We have Chelsea and, and uh, Brighton Howe, 1-1. You know, the fact that, that that Lukaku supposedly is unhappy with Tuchel's tactics, Tuchel came out publicly and reprimanded him for it. And I'm sitting here like, where have we seen this movie before? Oh, I know. When the players got tired of him at Borussia Dortmund, when the players and management got tired of him at PSG, yeah, I mean, he's got a UCL trophy in his, uh, the stick in his feather cap, and he can stick his chest out. But it's not shocking that people get tired of his BS. But hey, you know, he's a UCL winner, so he can give me the middle finger. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on them as far as what will happen as we get into January and February. United takes, takes care of Burnley. Burnley better get their act together, or they are going to be playing in the championship well, meanwhile, while their arch-rivals Blackburn, it's looking like they may be making a legitimate run to the Premier League as far as getting promoted. Wouldn't that be something if that were to happen? Oh, you'd never hear the end of it from those crazy Rovers fans. Okay. So, this is the beginning of the new year, January 1st, which marks the death of NBCSN. That's right, the home of the Premier League and other things like NASCAR and NHL at one point when they had it. But yeah, everything's migrating to Peacock or USA, and I'm not so sure I'm cool with that as, as far as, I mean, I'll get used to it, but it seemed to me like NBC uh, it had some value, as CBS's cable network does. But apparently, with so many things that have gone on over there at the Peacock, this thing didn't quite work out the way they wanted it to. So, anyways, pour one out for NBCSN. No more getting up watching Premier League games there. Got to go to USA, CNBC, or the always unstable Peacock. Ha! So, as we wrap up this segment and start a new year, what was the biggest soccer story of the year 
for FTI, FTI and FX? Well, I'm going to say there's a lot of stories to choose from. Lots. But for us at in the foxhole, easily the emergence of the United States men's team as a force in CONCACAF, beating Mexico in three significant comp competitions. Right. Um, that's news. You've got angry uh, L Trade fans saying, no, that can't happen. And a little bit of confidence coming from the red, white, and blue. Still a very dysfunctional, spoiled fan base that needs to be patient. But I think in this calendar year, Burke Halter and the boys made significant progress. Hopefully they can keep the momentum and qualify for the World Cup and have a decent showing. That's what we want to see in 2022. I think they got off to a good start in 2021, in spite of some of the lows that were experienced along the way. But we said that all along, that you have to be patient, and there were going to be days where this bunch would frustrate you. But I still feel the sun is shining bright as far as the future is concerned. Okay, we'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trotting on Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 21, Number 85. Giving Ocho Cinco, Jack Youngblood, and the legendary Mel Gray some love. Okay, this is a segment where we take a mountain or two to take a look into sports, its stories, go a little bit deeper, have some analysis, commentary, whatever. Or we'll start off with a huge appreciation as you know the great Don Madden passed away at 85 this week as I was saying to somebody you know somebody whose legend was bigger than the mystique that surrounded him and quite a mystique it was I mean, I'm old enough to be a kid of the 70s and watching those great teams that he coached in Oakland and you know guys who are part of NFL lore he's part of NFL lore you know obviously you know, his, as a color analyst for all four networks, right, made the game a lot more simpler and accessible to, to many folks that became fans because of him. The video game that bears his name, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother abyss that I couldn't even, you know, begin to even think about, especially now with people who, but your Madden rating is almost better than any preseason rating a publication provides for you. I mean, it's almost as good as the All-Pro, depending on where you're at. You know, the Madden Cruiser, All-Madden team, all those things. I mean, the guy's imprint, as far as somebody who didn't play the game, but, you know, it was definitely on the Mount Rushmore, so, uh, uh, the Mount Rushmore of this league. You know, guys like Pete Brussel, John Madden's definitely there. And, you know, along with the, Al Davis, the guy who hired him, as after, first as an assistant, then as a head coach, uh, right, best winning regular regular season winning percentage. Uh, would probably have more rings, but he coached in an era where there were some very tough teams. I mean, you know, it was the NFL almost at its zenith as far as great teams, and especially without liberalized free agency. 
and uh, the like. But yeah, I mean, you really cannot uh, do justice to what Mr. Madden meant to this game. And you know, our thoughts, prayers, condolences, all those things, you know, to the Madden family, you know, and uh, yeah, the, the NFL's lost one of its brightest lights. Definitely, definitely I can say that as, you know, as, a, as an admirer and as a historian, no doubt. Okay, the other other one we want to hit this week, the Tomlin effect. Um, wow. You know, something I do a lot of Steelers fans, you know, speaking of Madden, you know, growing up, the Steelers and the Raiders, you know, the great theater, as, as Chuck Noll and John Madden would square off, the Battle of Words and the Titanic battles in the field. Well, the Steelers ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw last week, and it's been a rough season for them. And it got me thinking, because you talk to Steelers fans, and they're like, we, you know, we don't fire our coaches. You know, we sort of have this Steeler exceptionalism, you know, the Steeler way. And you get to wondering, you know, Mr. Mike Tomlin, he has a Super Bowl ring, and uh, not, no, no losing seasons, especially if somehow they can win to, on Monday night. But do you wonder sometimes if teams get, get get too caught up in their way and sometimes lose the message, right, or players tune out after a while. And, I mean, I just think that things become too status quo because what you saw in that Kansas City game and what you've seen in this season, uh, this team's a shadow of itself, and it's been that way for a while. I have a good friend of mine, uh, you know, from the show, actually, who, you know, his opinions of, uh, uh, about this go back almost seven or eight years. And I know that some of the folks that, you know, don't wave the terrible towel all while as much and actually get into some analysis kind of feel the same way. I mean, it's one of those things. Nobody says the guy should get fired. You just wonder if the relationship has gone too long and certain, like, like Brady going to Tampa Bay, you know, maybe a, a breath of fresh air is probably better for everyone. Who's to say, right? Because I, you know, we're in this weird um, quandary where, because he has a ring, and you know, we don't want to ever think about uh, successful, you know, jettisoning successful coaches of color, given uh, how much of an issue that has been, right? In terms of the Rooney Rule, and even expanding the the Rooney Rule, and I forget who what was it uh, was it Troy Vincent who came out this week and said that he wants to get to a point where we don't even need the Rooney Rule. Well, good luck with that. I can't see that happening. But then again, so many things have happened in the last five or ten years that I never thought it could possibly happen in my lifetime. You know, I might have to walk that back down the road. But yeah, we'll see to that, that effect. So that's a weird situation because you really can't, you know, even though cause somebody said on one of our friends on Facebook, it's like, well, after that loss, man, you think Tomlin should be fired? And I'm like, Talked to one of my friends about it, who's a big fan, and I'm walking the future. Like, no, nobody's gonna ever call him to be fired. I mean, he was pretty adamant about, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of them finding a quarterback on the right pieces. But you know, this has been a slow uh, decline in, into mediocrity, and I don't know if you know he's the right guy, you know, for, for, for the for the restart, reboot, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he is. You know, only time will tell. Okay, folks, well, we'll be back with the NFL Report, wrap things up with some TMCA, TMCA time, close things up, 
get on with this coming week. Welcome back to Fox Drawing in a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode Number 21. Time for a little NFL report, as the Ohio State is making a fierce run here on the second half. After trailing by 14, they scored on their first possession, and it looks like they are on their way to the promised land again. Just waiting for them to put the info box in here so I can tell you, so I can get a look at what the score is. Well, it's Utah 38-28. 6.59 left in the third quarter. Apparently, a big play was called back. But, yeah, plenty of time for Ohio State to still make a run. But got to be impressed with what 10-3 and Utah has done thus far. Okay, folks, let's rock it with the NFL beat and let's get out of here. Okay, so another RIP. I just talked about John Madden, uh, their rivals, the Broncos, the legendary Dan Reeves, the former Cowboy, and then former coach of the Broncos and the Falcons, coached teams to four Super Bowls, didn't win any of them. However, I always felt that the success that Mike Shanahan in Denver was really the result of the great teams that Dan Reeves built, and he just managed to walk into a situation that was already put together and ran well. Uh, won a Super Bowl ring with the Cowboys, and Roger stopped back, so he did get some hardware. But uh, a, good, a good guy, another wonderful uh, NFL bright light that has now been um, darkened. Our condolences go out to his family as well. Cowboys, Broncos, and the Falcons, everybody that uh, is part of Coach Reeves' legacy. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So off the ticker, it'll be interesting as far as Mr. Field's cookies. Well, he's not going to play tomorrow. Apparently, uh, Andy Dalton is going to get the start, which makes me wonder how durable this person kid is going to be. Or maybe somebody for once is being smart and saying, we like what we see. Let's just shut it down. No reason to have anything stupid happen to him You know, when you're not going anywhere. Let Andy Dalton take the, take the hits, which was kind of the plan all along. But, you know, sometimes plans don't go out as go along as intended. And... It's been an up-and-down thing in Chicago. But, yeah, I think that – I hope that's the case. I hope that we're not looking at a situation where the kid's off and injured. You know, I think the same thing in San Francisco as well. And speaking of San Francisco, Jimmy G sustains a major thumb injury. His status for this week in the playoffs are uncertain. When we talk about, you know, Lance getting banged up throughout the year, this could be a weird situation. You know, San Francisco – Absorbed a tough loss last week, but you know, they're still on track to make the playoffs. And if they have a situation with a quarterback, it could be a nightmare. It would be kind of irony that it's more about injury than COVID, with like that's impacting so many other teams. Um, okay, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll talking about it in the next episode. One more or the other will know since this is Saturday, January 1st. As far as the Jags, we talked about the Urban Meyer on a closer look. They, you know, trying to trying to close that file out last week. 
apparently, as far as the next chapter, they were looking at Doug Peterson, who's got a Super Bowl ring to his credit. Even though I know things got sour with the brass up in Philadelphia, I still scratch my head about that. But with Nick Serrini, things seem to be going fine. Jim Caldwell's a possible replacement. Yes, he got done dirty in Detroit and maybe looking for an opportunity that could work. Mr. Klein and him could work together. I don't think Jack Rose can go wrong either way. But what I'm curious about, somebody, they do have to get it right because I'm not sure we can conclude that T-Law, yeah, that T-Law waving his hair on the commercials looking cheesy as hell, can be a star based on what we saw in year one. Now I know it was a complete dumpster fire with, with, with Meyer in the locker room and away from it. And who knows what else. Can't wait for the, uh, I mean, the hit piece. Of course, you know, the, probably the Jacksonville paper is not like the Washington Post. There would already be eight volumes about all the toxicity going on there. But somebody's going to link it out at some point as far as what life with Urban and the pros. Can't wait to uh, see what that's going to, what that'll contain. But before I was rambling, once again, you know, whoever they hire has to develop this guy. I mean, it's not one of these guys where, who walked in here and lit it up. I mean, he definitely struggled, looked the rookie, but, you know, based on guys like Peyton Manning and other people who, who were forced up there in year one, no need to hit the panic button, but you want to get some stability around this guy. So you got to make the right call there. Um, how about Miami? Winning seven games in a row and at one point in the season losing seven in a row. I mean, how does that even happen? I mean, obviously, that is an all-time swing as far as having two streaks like that in the same season. But this kind of shows you how crazy a 17-game season can be. And right now, Finn's looking really good, i got to say. You know, I'm really impressed by what they I was kind of harsh on who they played. But, you know, there's no easy win in the NFL. You just can't show up. And they're doing what they're supposed to do. And it's good because I know there are a lot of people that tried to put Brian Flores on the hot seat. And he's giving them the two-fisted salute. Just like my man, Mr. Tua. Good job for both of them. Okay. And speaking of the Steelers, as I just talked about in the last segment, apparently Big Ben, this is going to be his calling car, his curtain call at Heinz Monday night against the Browns. How about that? Well, you know, we thought he was Fort coming into this year. And uh, it was probably unwise, but as we talked about in the previous segment, not really, go, or alluded to, I should say more like, not going after a quarterback to replace Ben sooner than later. And, you know, along with maybe, uh, like I said, a, a little fatigue as far as the current regime goes, it was kind of led to the situation where Pittsburgh is, you know, hanging on by a thread and basically trying to also preserve Tom, Tomlin never having a losing record. But yet, it'll probably be an emotional situation as Big Ben, a two-time Super Bowl winner, takes a final bow, bow at Heinz on Monday night. We'll definitely be checking that out. Hopefully, I'll be watching with some friends, enjoying some adult beverages while I'm at it. We can only hope. Look at this as he can't find his mouse when he's trying to scroll. See, being in the other studio, it's always a challenge. Um... Okay, we found out that AP is going to the IR. Is he finished? Well, I put Durant before Seattle signed him, 
And knowing that guy, what a physical specimen he is, and what a workout warrior, I'm sure the phone will always be ready. And, you know, given the attrition that goes on in an 18, in, in, right, in this 18, 17 game season, you got to think that if somebody's in need of a running back and he's and his phone's he's sitting by the phone, we'll probably see him. I, I, I'm sure he's going to do everything in his power to be able to try to chase down Emmett. And while he can't be a feature back, he sure has proven he can still be serviceable. And the attrition that these rosters go through is we're seeing with some of these teams, not to mention, you know, as long as the spectrum of COVID is along. Yeah, I don't think this is the last we've seen of him. Speaking of Seattle, Russ does acknowledge that his future in Seattle is uncertain. And it's looking like after a sticker of a season, hey, big surprise, you're thinking about a trade. Can't blame you. I think with Pete Carroll, same thing. I don't know. Do they both need to go? Do they need to have more pieces brought around them? It's always an interesting thing. This is another situation where you have to wonder, has fatigue set in? Quarterback, the coach, the front office. You know, obviously, you know, Paul Allen dying and all that kind of stuff, that things are probably even different. But there's something just feels really off about Seattle. And, you know, when you saw... The, the way the Bears, who are not, not so good Bears team, could, you know, have the stones to go for two and just say in your face. So, I don't know. One thing we know, if Russ does go on the market, there'll definitely be suitors. But at this point, where what's a good fit for him, especially the game that he plays? Anyways, it should be a fun off season as the rumor mill gets really quick cooking up. Okay, how about this one? Now that we have two games left, let's let's take a quick look at who's fool's gold and who's a real threat. Well, okay, Bengals. Man, that's a tough one. You when you when you see Burrow uh on top of his game, they can be scary, but there's just so many, so much inconsistency there, especially on the road. I right now I have to say, uh-uh, they're fools gold. The Chargers, same story. Where I think when they're if everybody's healthy, Herbie and company definitely can uh, put a scare on somebody. But I think in the playoffs where things get a little bit more conservative, defenses get a little bit more intense. They're just not quite ready yet. I think they're fool's gold. We'll see maybe in a year or so. I think some of the wacky stuff that Staley tries to get away with won't fly in the playoffs. Rams. Well, hmm. They're getting healthy. They're getting over COVID. I'm going to say they're a contender. Um, we know LA's history, and we're talking the LA Rams. This incarnation in the past, or incarnation, there seems to be a correlation there that it would not shock me at all if they stumbled in the opening round, given, you know, that's just what the Rams do. But that said, they have the roster, especially with OBJ really being a nice replacement for uh, Robert Woods. You know, we kind of dogged him a little bit. He's also giving me the double bird, just like saying, yo, baby, we balling. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say the Rams, okay. I mean, they have flaws. Uh, the Colts, man, I'm on the fence with this one. 
You know, right? Because they they pounded they pound the ball. I got got that guy that kid the running back fantastic. It's hard to say what in past years, but now that Carson Wentz back from COVID on the redemption tour. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna say I'm uh, I'm uh, undecided as far as where I see the Colts right now. Maybe that you know I don't I can't see them, you know, making a run and ending up in SoFi. I don't think they were that good. So okay, they're fools gold. How about that? Quit quit waffling. A Pats. Okay, it was a nice story while it lasted. Get the feeling that Mr. Jones in the in the hoodie. The, the, the voodoo they were playing, that's all over now. They'll make the playoffs, but they're probably one and done. You know, maybe they get lucky and get, uh, and get a game where the weather helps them out. And, and Jones doesn't only ask the pass one time. The defense bails him out. Not seeing it. Um, the Eagles. Hmm. <laughs> Eight and seven. Quietly hurts and company both sides of, of, of the ball, but they'd be like the Giants, but instead they're in a position to make the playoffs. Can they make noise? Like, can they beat the Cowboys? Hell no. Can they beat the Rams in a game that matters? Hell no. So, yeah, definitely fool's gold. The Dolphins, very murky, right? I would, you know, they, they beat the Ravens with Lamar, so that's something to think about. I'm going to say right now they're fool's gold. They still got some uh, obstacles to overcome just to make the playoffs. Um, so my legit contenders, I guess. Well, you know, I, I, I'd go I'd rank Green Bay 1 right now, Kansas City 2, Dallas 3, Tampa Bay, Arians is coming back after being out with COVID. If they get healthy, sure. And after that, Tennessee, the Rams, Indy, Buffalo all have flaws that make me think something will trip them up in the playoffs. I mean, I'm not saying that any of, the, of those teams can't win it, but I have them in the second tier as far as, you know, contenders. And, you know, I mean, good playoff teams. I mean, it would be fun to watch you know, the, the teams in the other tier play in some competitive games. But I don't know if I can see them getting to the conference championship and obviously winning that and get, being able to play in the Super Bowl at SoFi. Right, and right now at least, two weeks the playoffs two weeks away. I don't see a dark horse running the gauntlet to get this to get the SoFi. Don't see it right now. Now I may be eating my words here for a month, but as it stands, um, biggest storyline from the NFL this year, not even close. COVID and its ongoing impact, derailing teams' playoff hopes, the possibility of it impacting the playoffs, the Super Bowl, even, you know, these next two weeks with Omicron still raging out of control, you know. So, yeah, that's, that would be, for me, with not even close. Definitely the biggest NFL storyline for 2021. 20, uh, oh, well, lastly, you know, the, so much talk. Insiders keep claiming you've even got a network trying to push these these nicknames. So some one, one person says it's going to be the Commanders. That from an inside source. You have NBC Washington talking about the Red Wolves. You have these idiots talking about the Red Hogs. You know, I have to say this. Commanders, I'm not crazy about, but like the Guardians, you'll get you'll learn to live with it. But if you come up to me with some Red Wolves, yeah, dude, we're in the wolf den howling. That is so Mickey Mouse. 
or you know, maybe the Red Tails could work, but uh, my Red Hawks, uh, uh-uh, that's a no for me, dog. As I, as I'm not saying I'll hop off the ship, but I might become an unrestricted free agency and have some serious thinking, and maybe have some teams woo me if the Washington team comes up with some bull jive like that, man. I mean, yeah, imagine that. Oh, we're howling. Uh, and all, and all the cosplay people coming out of the woodwork talking about how cool their costumes of the games will be. I'm like going, are you football fans or do you just want to go for some comedy show? Okay, folks, TMCA time. Rounding out the last week of 2021, right? Not too many people out of control, but, you know, we, got, we have a few stainless steel bowls of the smelly varieties to pass on as we do every week. First of all, I'm going to give one to the NFL. Uh, claiming Brady will only be fined if he has, I mean, if he has another, you know, they'll find Brady if he has another sideline temper tantrum. He should have been fined for that one and all the other brash behavior he's displayed over the years. Come on, man. Stop like, treating that guy like he's the emperor. And maybe we get he's the goat. But, you know, everybody else has to abide by the, your boss shit rules. Why is this guy getting such a pass? Now, I'm sorry, NFL. I'm going to give you two stainless bulls, one for this incident and just a lifetime of just, you know, playing patty cake and favoring. And I don't want to hear about the fight gate. Even that was a mockery. He should have gotten a bigger hit for that, too. So, no. Okay. Browns fans. Lots of complimentary bulls to hand out. Get busy in the foundry. I mean... Whoever is, you know, sending Jeff threats to Baker, guy's playing hurt. And you're, you send it to his wife and you're sending death threats what you're going to do to them when you know the team is just beat up this year and this was going to happen anyways. Grow the F up, people. Don't be sitting there freaking somebody's wife out saying you're going to kill him and her because the guy's thinking it up on the field. My, 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 right? You know, complimentary bowls around and make a real giant XL. Because that's just, I mean, there's just no reason for that. Especially, you know, dragging the guy's wife into it. Yeah, those commercials are cheesy and whatnot. But, I mean, you know, I mean, I get it. I get pissed after games, too. But we're not going to get to the point where, you know, real or not threatening people. I mean, he handled it well, but I know it has to, you know, really, you know, suck as far as, like, really. Anyway, how about the thugs that attacked uh, Man City's, you know, Wild Cancelo, Yao Cancelo, right? Uh, what the hell, man? Uh, you know, I don't know whether it was uh, flashing bling or something like that. Even still, I mean, when his family was with them, it just, like, sounded like a really garbage incident. Come on, people, be better than that, you know, so... Yeah, not only do they get stainless steel varieties, but hopefully they get some time in the Gray Bar Hilton for being, you know, such dirtbags. Not cool at all. Okay, so since we are at the end of the year, how about the TMCA Award of the Year? Who does that go to? Well, I guess the folks in the foundry that make the stainless steel bowls that contain the smelly varieties, they aren't going to be happy about this because there's going to be a lot to pass around. But it goes to all those who lost their jobs as a result of the ongoing bad behavior narrative. I mean, I think that's the TMCA award as far as these people who finally in 2021 started getting called out and actually being reprimanded 
for taking advantage of the girls and boys, being tyrants and bullies, all kinds of shady stuff. Yes, you guys get a ball for engaging in, this, in these acts for so long and losing good jobs at a time when good jobs are at a premium for just being a dirtbag. Life isn't already good enough. Okay, folks, we're going to do some kick-ass stuff here in 2022. We're off to a little bit of a rocky start. Um, I appreciate that you've that you bared with me. I also appreciate the growing audience. So we're going to continue to get better. So got a little cut up my tongue, so I apologize if I sound a little bit, you know, uh, off today. But that's okay. show always goes on. Really appreciate... Uh, the time doing being in the foxhole and we're looking forward to cranking out the rest of season three and on to season four and getting some more episodes with the scene. So until then, we'll see you in about five to seven days.